you know, this is a good crowd for a holiday weekend. Uh, a lot of folks are out uh, doing things probably they shouldn't be doing. I don't know. <laughs> but y'all are here. And we're glad that uh, you've come to be with us today. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Mark 6. We're going to start at verse 35. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to Jesus and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send all these people away, that they may go to the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But Jesus answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. They said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And they found out and they said, we have five loaves and two fish. And then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. When he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed it and broke it and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. And they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 Men, I know uh, in our lives that every once in a while there comes a time when we are just overwhelmed. Something seems so big that we just, you know, we feel like we're going to get rolled over. You know, it's just just so big and so weighty that uh, we realize we're not going to be able to, to handle it. It's too big for us. We have a sense of futility about it. Uh, we have a sense of, well, what am I going to do? You know, what's the use? I can't, I can't uh, win in this situation. If you've ever felt that way, the message this morning is for you. You know, this might not be the very weak you're feeling that way, but there's been a time, I bet, when you have, and I'll bet you there will be another time that's coming that you will. Well, It's a message about a miracle where the Lord intervenes in the lives of men. He transforms the hopeless situation into victory. Jesus gives us the power to overcome. He sees us through the issues and difficulties and overwhelming circumstances of life. In the passage that we read we see a significant miracle. Of all the miracles uh, that Jesus did, only one is presented in all four Gospels, and it's this one. This is the one. So it must be very, very important. The feeding of the 5,000 is a significant miracle because it says something about you and about me and about our wonderful, wonderful Lord. The scene is the Sea of Galilee. The time is during the Galilean ministry of our Lord. The situation 
is that after teaching these huge, huge crowds uh, for hours and hours and hours, uh, Jesus needs a little rest. You know, when you've got 5,000 men, that means probably there's 5,000 women. And that means that there's at least 5,000 kids. Uh, and the scholars say that probably there, there was 20,000 or more people there. That's a lot of people. Now, they didn't have microphones and amplifiers and all that back then, so Jesus is teaching these people. We don't know how he did that. We don't know if he said, okay, a thousand of you come sit down. He talks to them and says, okay, y'all go over there. A thousand more of you come sit down. We don't know how he did it, but the scripture says that's what he did. Whenever I, I study this passage, I think of school teachers. They have 30 kids come in and sit down, and they teach them for an hour. And the teacher's trying to get to know all their names and all about them and trying to keep the one that fidgets all the time settled down and tries to do this, tries to do that, and then, bing, the bell rings, and they get up and they leave. Then here comes in 30 more. And, uh, you know, after you do a day of that, the poor teachers are thinking, I need a lazy boy. I I need to sit back and rest. Good night. Well, that's what Jesus was having. He needed some rest. He was absolutely worn out. Jesus and his disciples tried to get away from the huge crowd. They got in a little boat, and they went over to another part of the Sea of Galilee. And guess what the people did? They walked around on the seashore. They they just walked around. And so when he got to the other side, uh, they either met him or they got there shortly after he did. And so he didn't get away from anybody. They were right there. The multitude followed. There are thousands of people at the feet of Jesus on this particular day all day long. As evening comes, these 5,000 men, 5,000 women, heaven knows how many kids, are all getting hungry. They haven't had anything to eat. There's no McDonald's. There's no... Bob Evans, there's no chilies, there's none of that. There's nothing out there. This is just out on the side of the the sea. Jesus asks, when they start talking about everybody being hungry, he says, well, uh, how can we feed them? And the disciples uh, give two different answers. The first answer is, we can't feed them. There's no way we can feed them. There's too many of them. We've got to send them away. That's the only thing we can do is just send them away. It's none of our business that they're all hungry. We can't help that. It's their problem. Let them take care of it. We're in the spiritual business. We're not in the food business. You know, these, these people have got to take care of themselves. Well, there are a lot of defeated people in our world today who think that God is running the whole universe and he is real, real busy. He doesn't have time for them. He's he's dealing with Russia and with China, with North Korea and Iran, these terrorist uh, places. He's dealing with all that. He doesn't have time uh, to deal with us, to deal with me, to deal with you. 
God's running everything. He's very, very busy. Far too busy to worry about the little things. Far, far too busy to worry about this one hungry person over here or that little sin over there or that little profanity over there or that little greed over there. He's too busy to worry about that. He's got a lot on his plate. The disciples say, Lord, you are too busy to worry about feeding all these people. Send them away. Well, Jesus uh, in this situation sees this, of course, as a teaching moment. You know, great teachers always uh, see a teaching moment. And if there ever was one, this was it. Uh, a point needed to be proven during these moments. Providing, proving this to the disciples, and proving it for you and for me is the lesson in our text today. He is never, ever too busy to deal with personal need. He knows every need that every person in this room has, every one of you. He knows where you're hurting, where you're feeling good. He knows all about your family, no matter where they are scattered all over the world. He knows all of that, and he cares about all of that. He is concerned about each of us, and he is trying to say in this text that we read today that the biggest, most important thing that he has to do is to love people one-on-one -on -one and to help people one-on-one -on -one and to love us here in this place this morning. The second response comes from Philip. Philip sees that Jesus is really serious about dealing with this hunger issue. And so he says, Lord, we have 200 denarii. Now, denarii is a little bitty coin, and it is the payment for the work of one person for one day. And they have 200 of those. Well, when you have 20,000 people, that, that isn't going to pay for it. You know, that is not going to give even one bite to each person that's there. It's impossible. We couldn't buy enough bread if we had the money, Philip says, but we don't have the money. This situation is hopeless. Hopeless. Well, now here's the key to the whole story. Jesus sees this teaching moment. He watches all that's going on, and he decides to do something that will say something to the disciples and to you and to me today. This is a timeless message that becomes apropos in, in every time God's people gather and study this part of his word. We have come to call these special kinds of actions miracles. Jesus did a lot of miracles. And he's not through doing miracles. He still does miracles, even today. Maybe you've had one in your life. Every miracle our Lord did was for a purpose, a teaching purpose. He sees the teaching moment to drive home an eternal truth. 
Now, what can we learn by this miracle? One lesson is obvious. When we, like the disciples back then, face a hopeless situation, they, they couldn't feed all those people. They knew it. It was over, they thought. The first step when you get in that kind of a situation is open the door to God's blessing and to acknowledge your human limitations. You've got some human limitations. There's just certain things that you can't do. Sometimes we have to say, no longer can I handle this situation myself. I give up. I give up. I can't do it. Have you ever seen one of those little wooden plaques in a home? You went into the home and there's a plaque on the wall. Or maybe you have seen it at a store. It says, God steps in when we have gone our limit. Have you ever seen that? Raise your hand if you've ever seen that. Uh, A number of you have. Well, this is the basic principle of AA. No man can conquer his drinking problem as long as he says, I can handle it. I can handle this. I can quit any day I want to. I just don't want to right now. You know, I can handle this. I know many people who would scream out, don't call me an alcoholic. I'm not an alcoholic. I can take care of this little difficulty. I'm man enough to do anything that I want to do. This doesn't bother me at all. As long as we say things like that, our Lord cannot help us. When the alcoholic finally says, I am a drunk. I have nothing left in me. I cannot control my drinking. My drinking controls me. I must call on a power greater than myself To help me with this. That's the starting point of recovery. Well, you say, well, okay, that's for the poor alcoholic. How does this apply to me? I say that this very same basic principle applies to all of us. Every one of us that's here today. Until we acknowledge our helplessness, we cannot approach the Lord. As long as we have this wall of self-assurance up, this self-adequacy about ourselves, the Lord is not going to help us. The philosophy of our day, which has been brought on by the technocracy that is all around us, is that man can solve his own problems. He can solve anything that's bothering him. Just give him enough time, give him the resources, give him the knowledge, give him the insight, give him enough scientific information, and man will work out any problem in the world. He can do it. My friend, if history has taught us anything in the last 2,000 plus years, it has taught us that when men feel that way, There is a great gulf between them and God. A great gulf. Until we recognize our human limitations, God will not work with us. There were two European theologians of the last two generations who made a great impact upon the theological thinking of our day. Karl Barth and Emil Brunner, both men, 
said the same thing, basically. They said it in different ways, but they said about the same thing, that man is unable to redeem or save himself. They say that it is not until men renounce their egotism and their vaunted intellectualism, until they get rid of that and realize that they stand helpless before God, that God will work the miracle within them. Pride many times keep people from God. We all know that. I have uh, in my life met a lot of people that uh, said they weren't Christians and they weren't going to be a Christian. Uh, They're atheists, agnostics. Um, They almost seem kind of proud of it that they're not Christians. Well, if you have that attitude, God is not going to help you. You have to admit that you need Jesus to help you. You might need Jesus to do a miracle in your life. The Lord said to the disciples, well, give me what you have. Give me what you have. And one of the disciples said, well, there's a little boy over here, and he has five loaves and two fish. And that's all we can find. That's all we have. And Jesus said, well, bring the little boy over here. And so they brought this little boy up, and he stood in front of Jesus, and Jesus said to the little boy, come here, son. And the little boy said, who, me? You know, the the little boy knew that Jesus was running this whole thing, that he was the one that was doing all the speaking, that all these 20,000 people were there to see him. He knew that he was the most important guy there. And Jesus wanted to see him. The title of my sermon today is, The Little Boy Said, Who, Me? Uh, you know, that's, that's what happened here. And Jesus says, Yes, you. Well, he reaches out to the little boy and takes the food that he has. My first little country church when I was 19 years old was in Mound, Texas. Mound, Texas is 40 miles west of Waco, Texas. About 300 people lived in Mound, Texas when I was there. About 200 of them were members of our church. It was the only church in town, so the Methodists gave in and joined. And, uh, you know, they, everybody decided to, to go there. So that's where they went. Well, every year we had a revival. You remember back when every church had one or two revivals every year? It lasted for a week. You remember that? Well, we had a revival. And guess when we had the revival? We had the revival when all the maize was harvested. All the maize was put up. That's when we had the revival, right after that. The Sunday after that, the revival started. Uh, It was uh, a real interesting time. We had, in our little country church, we had a brush arbor. I guess you know what a brush brush arbor is. It's a little uh, kind of a hut-like looking thing, and there's wooden benches in there, and we had a wooden pulpit in the size of a, in the, like a cross, 
right in front. And then we had a few benches in the back for the choir. And we had this thatched roof that had a numerous holes in it and poles holding all that up. And you could see out, you know, from anywhere under the brush arbor. And every year we'd have a revival. And the preacher was supposed to invite in a real good preacher. And uh, I had. I'd got a real good one. And uh, he came. And the service started. And there was great singing. And lo and behold, this man named Hollis Ayers came. Hollis Ayers was lost. He, he was not a Christian. He lived in Mound, Texas. Everybody in Mound, Texas knew that Hollis Ayers was lost. Everybody in Mound knew who was running around on their wife. They knew who was rich, who was poor. They knew everything. And when you live in a town of 300 people, you know everything about everybody. Well, Hollis Ayers was lost, and everybody knew it. And for the first time in 30 years, here comes Hollis Ayers. He comes in and sits down. And I can look out over the congregation. I was sitting up at the front, and I noticed that people almost stopped singing because everybody was bowing their head and starting to pray for Hollis Ayers. Well, service went along. We finished the song service. The evangelist got up to preach, and uh, he started preaching. He was a good preacher. He got about a third of the way through the sermon, and we noticed that it, it started a little sprinkling outside. And uh, then it, uh, you know, kind of surrounded us with a little sprinkling. And then I, I looked over to my right, and to the, my horror, there was a wall of rain coming across the field. Have you ever seen a wall of rain? Well, that's what it was. It was a wall of rain. And it was coming right at us. And I immediately thought, if that wall of rain gets here, all these holes in the brush arbor, it, everybody gets so everybody just go get in their cars and go home. It'd be the end of the service. Hollis Ayers is here. Lord, please stop the rain. After the service that night and for the services all the rest of the year, almost every Sunday, we talked about that particular night when the rain was coming and Hollis Ayers was there. Now, maybe you've seen a lot of miracles in your life. I haven't seen a lot of miracles in my life. But that night, I saw a miracle. That water was coming. I mean, you couldn't even see through it. It was so strong, just, just a wall of water coming right at us. It got about 20 yards from the brush arbor, and it started going that way. And a lot of people said, amen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the preacher, I'm sure he was trying to preach, and all this stuff was going on while he was preaching. The water changed direction started going over that way, over that field. The preacher preached. Hollis Sayers walked down the aisle, and he was saved that night in that, in that little church. And you say, well, 
Ron, that's not very important. Good night. All the world issues, all the things that are going on in our world, one guy, one night, yet saved. That's not very important. I'll tell you something. Everybody that was there that night thought it was important. And, and we all were praying about it. I mean, we were praying hard about it. And the Lord did it. He worked a miracle that night, changed the situation, and Hollis Ayers was saved. Well, we need in our day a fresh vision of a Lord that does miracles, that reaches out and touches the people that he loves and helps them and guides them and directs them in a meaningful way. He wants to be involved in our daily affairs. He loves us. He cares for us. Give Jesus what you have, though it might not be much, and watch what he'll do with it. The little boy had five loaves and two fishes. That's all he had. And he walked up and he gave it to Jesus gladly. Jesus took it and he multiplied it and he fed 20,000 people. In our passage, five loaves, Two fish. Jesus organized the people into blocks. I don't know why he did that, but that's what he did. And then he got the disciples, and I'm sure he had to get a bunch of people to help. And they began to break the bread, break the fish. And he started filling up these baskets, and everybody was kind of looking to see what was happening. They knew it was just five loaves and two fish. What do we need all these baskets for? And the baskets started filling up. It was unbelievable. Nobody could believe it. It was a miracle of God. Well, you know, sometimes the Lord takes what we give him and he touches it and he blesses it and the miracle is worked. That's really the story of Christianity. The crowd was fed, fed, their needs were met, and the miracle was worked. What do you have to give the Lord today? You say, well, I don't have a lot of talents. I can sing a little. I can play a little maybe. I, maybe I could help with the sound people. Maybe I could be an usher. Maybe I could be a deacon. Maybe I could be on the fellowship committee. I don't know. I don't really have a lot of talent. Well, whatever you have, he could take those and bless those and multiply those. If you have a strong body, you say, well, really, I don't have any talents, but I'm strong. You know, every once in a while, we need some strong people around here. Move things, to do things. We have people that call us that want us to go over to their house and do something. You know, move something heavy. They can't move it. Well, if you have a great mind, offer it. And the Lord can take it and can bless it and can use it far beyond what you could ever imagine. If you don't have many talents or a strong body or a great intellect or anything else, then give yourself. Give yourself. And God will take you and touch you and bless you and multiply your ministry in an unbelievable way. He can do that as the miracle transpires before your very eyes. Perhaps today... You think this sermon is for somebody else. I hope today that you feel like it's for you. For you. Jesus wants to take your life 
like he did the bread and the fish, and he wants to touch it, touch it, and bless it. He wants to touch your life, and he wants to bless you, and you say, who, me? And Jesus will say, yes, you, today. Later, I'm sure that this little boy thought, Jesus used me today. I can't believe it. He really used me today. I'm so glad that I went. I'm so glad that he could take the little food that I had and feed all those people. I don't know how he did it. It was a miracle. Today, you can give your life. And if you do, the Lord will bless you because of it. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. We invite you to leave where you're sitting and to slip to the aisle and to slip forward. If you've never trusted and believed in Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've got to ask him to forgive you your sins. You've got to place your faith and your trust in him as your Lord. And you'll be saved. The miracle will be worked in your heart and life. If you've been visiting with us for a good period of time, let today be the day. That you slip to the aisle, slip forward, and take a strong stand for Jesus. Saying basically, I want to serve him. And I want to do it through the auspices of this church. God bless you. God bless you. We're going to stand and sing. If the Lord is tugging at your heart, you just slip out and come forward as we sing. Let's stand together.